Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And we are going to jump right into it today. Uh, we were having a discussion before the podcast, and we're like, why are we not recording this? Start the recording. We need to get into this on mic. Why are we, why are we wasting this gold right now? So uh, our topic of discussion was a couple different games that have come out recently that fit in the like just the general description of them, you would be like, yeah, these sound like the same game, but they are not the same game. They have some similar elements, uh, but they are very much divergent paths of design ideas. And uh, but they get lumped into go- to, to each other lately. And these are the Lost Ruins of Arnak and Dune Imperium. Yes, and to a lesser extent, Endless Winter. But we're not going to talk about that one. We're not going to talk about <laughs> Endless Winter because we didn't play that. But I have played both this last week, Arnak and. Dune, and so I have definitive ideas and uh, thoughts, thoughts on them, for sure. And I, yes, and I'm excited to get into it because I have played Arnak, and I have since uh, bought it, and I am on the fence about Dune Imperium. I know Dune Imperium will be a game that I really like, but I don't know how often I'm going to get it to the table. So I'm very curious about your experiences and playthroughs and how you compare and contrast them. Um, based And hopefully that can influence my decision. I'm like, oh, do I pull the trigger? Because I am, side note, a huge Dune fan. So the Same. idea of the game is just like, oh, man, that sounds so cool. I've been waiting for like... Uh, well, they came out with the, the original Dune. They did a reprint, and it's a great game. But another a game with not an eight-hour commitment. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you have uh, to, you know you, what I mean. You have to play the original Dune game with like five or more. I think it takes exactly. like six or seven or something like that. But I mean, you have to play it uh, almost full complement for it to because there's there's like this these interactions, you know, political interactions and negotiations and things that between the different factions and it's just like with two people it's just like i'm not even sure you can i think it's three and up but yeah uh, yeah i don't think so but yeah it's just doesn't make any sense at a lower player count um Ex- but yeah i will yeah, start out it. with lost ruins of arnak which uh okay. i've just been hearing so much about mostly from you and Corey and donnie and the internet um <laughs> and so it is uh phenomenally popular and I got it a couple weeks ago and finally got it to the table with my wife, Kirsten. And um, so some background on Kirsten. She is uh, she loves to play games and and even loves harder, gamier games. Uh, but she does not like learning games. And that is sort of her thing. And she'll tell you that the first time you teach her a game, she's going to be real mad the whole time. (laughs) And she's not lying. (laughs) She she really does not enjoy it. (laughs) Correct. She just, yeah, everything is just angry. Um, However, with Lost Ruins of Arnak, I start explaining it, we start to get into it, and literally... She starts taking turns like she's been playing this game 20 times. Uh, and she was happy and chipper the whole time. And, like, things just made sense. And it just played like uh, it played like an old hat feels, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. it, and, and it did for me, too. It felt familiar. It felt like um, familiar without being like, oh, I've seen this before. But just like warm and inviting, and it just it, everything flowed together so well. 
Um, there are a million things you can do. It's like for your main action, you can do this, 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 this. Um, and it, there, it, it is a lot you can do, but it all makes sense that you can do it. And it all kind mm-hmm. of has a rhythm and a flow. And you do this to get these things. And then you use those things to do this next thing. And then you take this free action to get some more stuff. Because on your next turn, you're going to do this other main action to get this other stuff to do these other things. And it's just, uh, it's only like five rounds. Um, so it seems like, oh, well, what can you do in five rounds? Well, you can take a million turns until you pass um, every round. Uh, and it just seems like... Um, even in the beginning, uh, it, it just seems like even that first round where, where you're building up, you're just, you instantly can do things. You can research stuff. You can, you can discover stuff. You can get resources to do this and that and uh, explore. And you can do all these things. Uh, you don't have to wait. And a lot of games in this genre of this ilk, um, there's not a lot you can do early on. And you just sort of feel like you're going through the motions to try and build up your engine. But it almost feels like you already have an engine going from from turn one in Arnak. And I really like that. Uh, now, now it does yeah. it does roll downhill uh, in a good way um, in that every round after that, like, you just get more and more and more. And, and you just, by, by rounds four and five, you're just taking these big, epic turns that are just this rolling into this next thing that rolls into this next thing that brings all these these resources in to be able to do all these other things that get you more stuff to get you up on the research track and do these other things and it's just it feels like you're doing so much you're having so much fun and it's it's there are a lot of games where you genuinely feel like you don't have enough time to do the things you want to do and I don't get that feeling with Arnak. Obviously that you can't do everything you want to do. You have to, to focus on some things. Uh, but it it doesn't feel restrictive. It really feels like you can kind of carve out your own strategy. You can go hard after this thing or that thing. Um, I had one, uh, the, the first time we played, Kirsten got a ton of cards. I think she ended up with like uh, 12 or 13 cards, which is a lot in Arnak. And uh, I had I had five. Like I had yeah. pared down, like I was literally just redrawing my or six. I had six, so I was just redrawing my the entire deck every uh, for the last two rounds. But I was culling, and I wasn't really going after cards. And that some of the cards that I did go after in the the market there um, were ones that you exiled after you used them, kind of thing. So at a very thin, I didn't really deck build much. And the second the second time, I went hard after deck building. Um, and Kirsten, we took turns, you know, going really hard. Kirsten, uh, both games outplayed me on the, uh, the research track, like just definitively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's just so many cool options and things you can do. There's not, I don't feel like there's just one, you have to follow this roadmap. And I think that's really neat. It's, uh, it's, it's very free form feeling. Yeah. In that no, regard. I totally agree with that. It is. It's one of those ones where you play it and the mechanisms are so fun and they fit the theme so well that you're kind of like, oh, right, I got to focus on points, too. <laughs> you kind of you kind of forget, can forget that sometimes because the game itself is just so engaging. And I would also second that it's very logical. So 
the way the gourd is set up is you delve deeper and deeper into this jungle as you're finding more, uh, getting closer to the lost ruins, I guess, or you're getting clues and um, pushing your way into the actual deep treasure of lost this lost city and lost area. So it makes sense that the stages of the game are going to progress the way they do, and everything is very logical in its presentation and the way you engage with it. It's just in, it, kind of impressively so. Um, so I would definitely second that it's it's an easy one to jump into. Uh, and then, you know, there's little bits and rules here and there about how things work. But for the most part, it all is very simple and straightforward. There's not a weird rule that's kind of like, and this is this. And you're like, why does that? Ah, it doesn't matter. It just is. Don't don't think about it. Right, right. It It, it is very themey. It is very thematic. And you... Uh... It, it feels, it genuinely feels, it's an exploration game that really kind of feels like you're exploring. And and yes, that's, yeah. that seems fairly rare. I, I know it shouldn't, but uh, but a lot of those type of games where, you know, you're, you're exploring through the jungle or whatever, they don't feel like you're exploring through the jungle. They feel like you're playing a spreadsheet or you're just playing cards that happen to have jungle theme to them or whatever. Um, and, and this, this one felt thematic and, and the things you did, and I just, I, the thing I like the most about it is just how it feels like you, you just are driving this engine that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, Mm -hmm. um, at first you're like, how are you going to do all this in five rounds? And, and by, by the fifth round, like it, it take, these turns are so big and so long, um, the rounds by by the time you get to the end of it you're like i'm doing almost everything i want to do i'm exploring a lot of stuff i'm getting to the top of the exploration track or the the what is it the the temple track uh research track and um i'm just able to do all the things because i i need all this stuff to go up here but i can go over here and get that stuff i can play this card now and it there's just it feels like it just rolls downhill and just collects all this that it's just it's a lot of fun it was a a lot of fun we played it uh twice and um Kirsten won the first game I won the second game both were very 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 close and uh she she loves it and I love it so nice so I wanted to ask you, okay, so you mentioned the research track. So you you went away from that one game and then you incorporate it next the other game more fully or Um I, I wouldn't say I went away from it in either game. Um Kirsten ran away from me. She maxed out the like she got up to the top in the first game. I mm-hmm. got I think almost up to the top, so I was a little bit behind her, uh which is kinda how she ended up winning and the next time neither one of us got all the way to the top but she definitely was like two levels above me and um and I did end up winning that one but really only because I went so heavy on cards and artifacts that I had more points I had so many points in my hand Mm. so um that 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 kind of like it was so so it it was cool to see that there are definitely different ways to win. You don't have to go get all your points from the research track. You don't have to get all your points from cards. You don't have to get, you know, uh, all your points from exploring and beating guardians. Um, those all help and they're cool, but it's uh, it's point salady enough that you can you can really pick and choose and go different ways and kind of 
just have fun. And and everything you do that, that is fun still gets you points. So that's yeah. the cool thing. There there are some games where you're like all the fun stuff doesn't do anything for you. It's the boring stuff that gets <laughs> you points. And you're like, but I want to do the fun stuff. This is all fun stuff. Yeah. So I uh Yeah. I, definitely think uh they there there isn't anything in there that i'm like ah i just wish that wasn't there or that wasn't fun or this i there just isn't yeah yeah no it's it's really well well oiled machine one everyone's about like cge is an interesting publisher they have some really great games and it's a lot of several other games or many of the games are like i like it's not a cool idea but then sometimes for like me personally but then some games they just like knock it out of the park for like things that i really really like and um this one's just in spades does that it is really really well designed uh yeah the reason i brought up the research track is i was um in my playthrough of it um I have only played it the one time, and but I'm uh, going to play it again this weekend, actually. And, uh, yeah, so I was kind of curious how the research track went because I definitely went, like, only, like, halfway up the research track. And I did just fine. I was kind of fighting monsters and doing some um, deck building for points uh, towards the second half of the game. And I can't remember where I placed, but, I, you know, I placed decently enough and for a first-time playthrough. But I was just kind of curious how the research track affects the game because I know some games – um, they're kind of like it's. They have this one thing that you that the real points are really there. You know, <laughs> you know. There's always like one uh, main thing, and a lot of times it is a research track. And I always am disappointed when it's the research track. But my impression of this is like you said that it you can. It's important to do the research track. It's not like you can ignore it completely. You want to expose yourself to all aspects of this game. But it's the research track isn't a be all end all. Especially in five rounds, you can't. I mean, you can put a ton of energy into the research track, but that would, to the detriment of other things. Uh, but it did seem like it's well-balanced against the other mechanisms. The other me- the mechanisms are also very good point options. Yes, for for sure. And the research track does have a ton of points. And if you, like, talk to the guys online that are like, oh, yeah, I've played uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak 136 times, and you're like, uh, okay. Right. <laughs> they'll tell well. you, they'll tell you it, you get so many points going hard after the research track there. So so it is very, very favorable to do that. However, and, and, and additionally, the, the research track gives you stuff early on, like assistance and, and things like that, that, that help out a lot. There are hugely powerful bonuses with it. Um, but there are other ways to get those points. I mean, every time you beat a, uh, a Guardian, that's five points. You know, yeah. every time you get you know you you buy cards you get a whole bunch of compasses and and money and stuff and you go hard after cards there's cards with two and three points each on them and as you build them up you you not only get those cards like for points but you can actually use them for resources and to to do stuff and build your deck um the deck building aspect of it to me you because i really deck build it deck build on on one go and then on the other i really kind of ignored buying cards um Mm -hmm. the deck building aspect of it i could kind of take or leave it's fun to have that option uh but Mm -hmm. none of the cards to me are hugely powerful and especially compared to their cost um so that that it, it is an option to do but i don't think it's you can play the game without really deck building 
Sure. Um, in in hyper contrast, I think to Dune, which we'll we'll get into. But um, the to me the the feeling is uh, is much more this fun exploration, um, and and kind of the this mathiness of all right, I want to accomplish this. So I have to do this over here to get these resources to come in to do this to get those resources to accomplish this, which lets me come over here and explore this, which gives me this benefit, which lets me go over to the research track and move up on that, which gives me this. And and so everything kind of connects together. It's almost in a weird sort of way, like... Um, like a century spice road where you're like, okay, I got this to get this, to get this, to get that, to get this, to get these points. Right. Um, and so, so that is kind of a fun puzzle and it can be a little mathy, which, which I think is fine. Um, there was, there's a few instances, especially in round five, like towards the very end when you're trying to math out every single possible point you can get. Um, yeah. And, and, like, there was one time where I was, like, one, uh, like, compass away from being able to get, like, 12 more points. And I was, like, fight desperate <laughs> to find a way to get a compass. I just couldn't. Um, so it was so, so it can be frustrating, too, if you're, like, oh, I totally mathed that wrong. Um, and so, so, so I guess if you're looking for drawbacks, I, I guess something like that... Uh, if if that's not really your cup of tea, if puzzling together, uh, like chains of events, uh, is not really your your style, then you probably won't enjoy this as much uh, as much as I do. Um, but even then, that's it's not that bad. I mean, if you're especially if you're fairly new to it and you're playing with other people who are fairly new to it, I mean, everyone's gonna do the same thing, you know? Yeah. It was really that second game when we we got to the end of a game and we're like, okay, all right, now now I see how everything really chains. You have to start looking beyond like your next turn and look to your next like five turns. How are you gonna like daisy chain all these together to ultimately get to to where you need to go? Um, yeah, and that 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 is really exciting because I love yeah. that kind of stuff. I absolutely love it yeah and i mean too like i i would definitely agree with that that there's that last round of you're you're just trying to figure out the best point and if you went the card way you're just trying to figure out the cards that i can buy or do i buy cards just for the points a lot of times but that's going to be pretty common in any game with a set amount of rounds that is like this there's always that last round you're kind of looking for those efficient best ways to pull points um uh for that so Excuse me. I just uh, well, actually, we'll talk about this a little later. But I just played a game called Furnace recently that was very similar. Really great game in four rounds. But um, I think all games kind of suffers the wrong word. They just have that characteristic of the that are in a set number of rounds. That last round, you're just trying to get points, and sometimes it does not make sense with the game. It just it can take you out of the game. So like like if you are just buying cards for points, uh, you could theme around it i guess but you're also just you know trying to get those last points right in before the game ends um most, yeah mostly, no that's cool mostly in round mm-hmm. five i or rounds four and five i kind of found was sort of a desperate last rush to try and get up the research track um 
as much as you can to just get those points and bonuses. Because sure. once you get up to that point, like the bonuses you get really start helping and triggering back to other things and let you explore something that then lets you turn around and get up the track again. And so, yeah, all those those points, it it was seemed more focused than just, oh, I'm going to buy random stuff to get points, which some games mm-hmm. do deteriorate into that. Where you're like, yeah. why, why in, in theme wise, like, why would anyone ever get, do all these things at the end? Yeah, uh, right, but I, right. I, I think it steers fairly clear of that I think that you, you have a pretty solid idea of what you need to accomplish that last round or two. Um, yeah, and it's such a good feeling to accomplish something where you're like, okay, I got to figure this out, and you you manage <laughs> to get it all work out just perfectly. And you're like, ah, oh, nailed it. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a good feeling. It is cool how through all through those five rounds, there are combos that present themselves um, to give you point benefits or options in that last round um, as well. So, I, yeah, the design is just astoundingly well good good in this game for um, what they were going for. It's pretty impressive. And they're about to release an expansion, the Expedition Leaders, which gives you six leaders to play as. Yes. And uh, I think I, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. Um, I know I there's. Oh, it adds another tech tree or something. Well, and I know there's more. I, I'm pretty sure it gives more exploration places. I think that it gives more cards, more artifacts, uh, some more items and artifacts, um, and maybe even a couple more guardians. Uh, it's just kind of like more of all the stuff, which I yeah. think is cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, I I like it. Uh, which brings us to Dune. Yes, all right, Dune. It, so this Dune is... is commonly <laughs> referred to as the other worker placement <laughs> slash deck building game. Deck builder, yes. <laughs> and they kind of came out at the same time and uh, have effectively the same mechanisms, but I'm not sure you could find two games with the same mechanisms that were this different feeling. Yes, yeah. It's um, it's really interesting, too. Um, so just uh, real quick, to, uh, back to Arnak. Um, I was going to mention this before, because um, I always love seeing this. Uh, Arnak was designed by a husband and wife team. Um, yes. And uh, I, I always think that's great when you see that. They're, they're, co- they're designers, and they work together on games, Elwin and Min. Uh, I, they've been associated with CGE apparently for a while, but this is, I believe, their first just them uh, as the designers game that came out and uh yeah so um i'm curious i would be curious to look more in what their background is in this because on the flip side dune imperium was designed by paul denon who has a lot of experience with deck builder and putting meeples on the board because he designed clank and uh, has been part of the clank um saga so um anyway so yes this is a heavier game than clank i would say Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, take it away. Cause you're, you're the one with the plays and I'm very curious to see your thoughts on this and how they compare. Okay. So I'm coming at Dune, uh, from a solo experience. Um, however, and most people would be like, oh, well then you don't really know how to play Dune. However, the solo game for Dune is, uh, it actually uses, uh, an AI to play two other players. So it's effectively kind of like a three-player game, but playing with two play two other players who are either 
fairly new or really, really good. I played at the novice level because, um, yeah, because I didn't want to get my ass kicked or anything. So, <laughs> And I, I didn't. I won by one point. Um, and it's, it, it's a really fascinating AI, too, because uh, both there's one AI deck and you just draw cards for each. So it comes out of one deck. So like uh, player, you're player one. So player two uh, will draw from that deck and then player three will draw a card for that deck and they'll do. So it's, it's one consistent deck. However, both of the other, the AI players developed over the game, like radically different strategies. Like one ended up being very militarized and uh, did a lot of the, the fighting, uh, the combat phase stuff, and just like really got points that way. And the other one just ended up collecting all these resources and just turning in resources after resources after resources for victory points. And so they ended up like you're playing like other players with with very definitive play styles. So it actually uh, felt really neat. Hmm. And it kind of gave me a good idea of what it would be like because the rules are all the same. Uh, you don't necessarily change anything uh, for the solo mode, except this this AI deck makes decisions for you, uh, for the, the other two players. Um, so it gives a real good idea of how a game progresses. And um, so basically with uh, Dune, I, I, will, I will come right off the bat and say Dune of the two feels more like a worker placement game, and it feels more like a deck builder than Arnak does. Okay. Um, Dune feels, the worker placement aspect of it feels like a true hardcore worker placement game. You place your your guy there and you do your thing and then you place your other guy, you do your thing, and then you have the reveal phase. Um, Arnak has two workers. You have your two workers, but that's only a small part of like what you do. So you only need those to, to go to exploration places. So of in a round, if you have uh, 10 turns, 12 turns, which isn't unusual um, in a round, only two of those are actual worker placement related. Hmm. And you can also avoid the deck building aspect of it by just staying away from, you know, market actions in Arnak. So, so, um, to me, the worker placement feel of Arnak isn't nearly as present as Dune. If you're not placing a worker, you're just turning up all your cards and spending them to buy more cards. So um, okay. in Dune, you basically have two things you can do. You can either place a worker, which is an agent, so place an agent and collect your stuff, do your thing, um, or you can do what's called a reveal action um and you once you do a reveal action then you don't play again until everyone else passes so uh reveal action is whatever cards are left in your hand you turn them up and they have an influence value or a military value on them and you use the influence to buy cards from the marketplace and you use the military uh actions to influence combat which is a whole whole separate phase, but um, those are the only two things you can do. So it is it is very much either you are doing a worker placement action or a deck building action. 
So they it feels much more like a standard uh, worker placement game and a standard deck building game, like put together. Uh, there's there's nothing else that isn't one of those two things. Gotcha. Unlike Arnak, which has all this other stuff going on. Um, and and there's something definitely to be said for the streamlining of Dune, where you basically you're doing two things. Uh, one of two things. So so there is something to be said for that. Um, it does kind of help keep things focused. It moves the game along. Um, points in Dune are very hard to come by. Uh, Ten points wins you the game. ends the game. So uh, hmm. wow. whereas with Arnak, like ten points definitely would lose you the game, but um, <laughs> does not end it. Um, so it's either uh, it's either ten rounds or uh, ten points in Dune. Uh, I actually in the solo game I got to ten points in the tenth round, so uh, I sort of hit both. Um, okay. But points are very hard to come by. You you can have you could have a turn where you get two. Um, if you have an epic turn, you might get three points, but then you might go a couple of turns without getting any. So uh, points are very scarce. They're very hard to come by. Um, and it's it's much more... Uh, almost, uh, I don't, I'm not sure I want to say streamlined, but I'm going to. Um, it feels more, more straightforward and more st- streamlined in what you're aiming to do. Um, mm-hmm. You also end up deck building a lot more in Dune because there is the deck building f- phase, effectively, when you reveal and you... You'll, you'll buy cards almost every reveal phase because uh, there's no reason not to. So you do end up with much larger deck. Um, mm-hmm. th- there are still options to cull, but not nearly as many as it seems like there are in Arnak. So you can end up with 16, 15, 16 cards as opposed to Arnak. You're typically going to finish in the like 9 to 11 cards kind of range. Uh, maybe less, maybe a little more, but... Um, I feel like the deck building aspect of Dune is not only more present, but more necessary, more integral mm. part of the game. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get that. So, and and Dune also adds in this uh, this combat phase where when you're placing uh, workers, and uh, initially you start with two, and then you can unlock your swordsman, which is your third agent. Um, so so eventually you'll get three. Um. But it, uh, when you're placing those things, uh, you're also some of the the actions will let you garrison troops, and then uh, if you land on, if you go to combat spaces, they'll let you uh, actually um, move them to the battlefield from your garrison. Hmm. And so, at the end of everyone's phase, everybody does the reveal phase, and um, anyone who's in the combat zone not garrisoned, but actually in combat, uh, you work out with your bonuses from the reveal and uh, what's what's actually in the combat zone there, and you measure out everybody's strength. And there's a card out that says first place gets this, second place gets this, third place gets this. Third place only comes into play if there's four players. Um, otherwise, it's first and second. So... Um, and and the, they can be very powerful. Like you can get a victory point towards the end, like uh, rounds like eight, nine, ten. Uh, a lot of those cards will have like two victory points goes to the winner, 
in first place. And you're like, whoa, that's huge. And so it, it's, it really depends. It, uh, you see the card, what, what you get first, second, and third. You see that card at the beginning of the round. So you have a good idea of whether you want to kind of go after combat or if huh, you want to okay. sort of save for it. And then there's these intrigue cards you get too that can also give you bonuses, uh, like surprise bonuses kind of thing. So um, you definitely can pick and choose which rounds would be more advantageous for you to really go hard after combat and which ones it's okay for you to just stay away from that and collect other things. You know, I need to go up on influence with uh, with these other factions or I need to concentrate on, you know, getting money or spice or whatever. And then some rounds you're just like, I, I need combat because I need that victory point or I need, you know, whatever that benefit is. So hmm. um, it's a lot of good decisions in Dune. And cool. uh, it, <laughs> it seems, it, yeah, it's, it's very thematic too. I think um, in that it feels like Dune. Uh, it feels like when you're building influence with these, these uh, factions and stuff that you're like, Oh, I, I feel like I'm doing something. Um, and so, so it, it, it fits into the universe. It fits into, to what you'd be doing. If you're not a huge Dune fan, I think you could still like the game just based on its mechanisms. Uh, they Mm -hmm. all work really well together. Uh, it's very streamlined. It's, uh, it's obviously been play tested to death. There's nothing wasted or, uh, meaningless in there. Um, but if you are a Dune fan, like it really comes to life. Like the thematic piece of it really helped engage me a lot. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it. I honestly, if I had to pick one or the other, I would rather play Arnak. Mm-hmm. But I, I have not played Dune with three or four actual players. So I think that oh, could sure. be an exceptionally different experience. I also have not played Arnak solo. Did you play it solo? No, I haven't. Um, I played with the full complement the one time I played. So it okay. was, uh, yeah, it was, and it definitely works great with four. Um, but so, yeah, would you say it's just a little more accessible of a game, Arnak? Like, is Dune more of a... Um, I don't know more. It's a little denser, so is that kind of where that you're? What you mean by if you had to like under your head choose one, Arnak is the direction you'd fall on, or Ar- the side you'd fall on. Yeah, Arnak is is the the side I'd fall on just because of the the whole fun of the the big engine that you're building and these the, the grandiose turns and just turns get bigger and bigger and it snowballs and and has fun. Um, so I, to me, it's just, it's more fun. Uh, Dune, Dune is more standard worker placement, more standard, uh, deck building. And you know what you're, you're getting into it. Uh, it is more probably, dare I say, maybe a little more of a gamer's game. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Arnak, I I, I'm not going to call it family weight, but I think that if you are a gaming family, you certainly would pull it out and play it more than I think you would pull out Dune. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and see, this is the rub. This is why it's been kind of like, I'm so on the fence for it. Like, ah, it's so appealing to me because I love 
Dune. <laughs> and this game is really, I'm so excited to play it on Tuesday. Um, but even if I really like it, I, I'm not sure I'm going to personally pick it up because I just feel like, I always think, you know, I always think like, it, it, is this a game my wife would play with me? Like if we're off somewhere and I'm choosing games to bring, is this one that I know she's going to be like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's play that. Or she's going to be like, oh, all right, I'll play it. But, <laughs> but you know, and I want her to I jump into this too. So I don't know. But I have a plan, Bill. I have a plan. So this weekend we are going to watch the movie <laughs> that just came out. Yes. And I'm hoping that sparks <laughs> interest. So it'll really depend on how much she, uh, how much uh, <laughs> the movie fascinates her to the characters, and then at least she'll know the characters. Because um, well, this is how she is kind of with like Star Wars stuff. She's seen yeah. the Star Wars movies, but she would be hard pressed to tell you anything plot wise or names about virtually anyone. It's kind of astounding how much she can enjoy the movie and then like forget everything about it afterwards. Yeah. Um, so if we ever play a Star Wars themed game, she's like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Well, and Kirsten, Kirsten's in uh, – she's in Denver right now. She's actually going to watch Dune uh, in a couple of days um, oh, cool. with uh, with some friends there. So uh, I'm excited for her to watch it. I'm going tomorrow night to the theater to watch it. Um, oh, nice. But she's uh, she's very uh, – she, she's excited to see it. Uh, she she really liked the, uh, the trailer and everything. But I think that will help because the Dune game – has artwork from the movie like yeah the, the characters that are represented on the game come from the actors in the movie so it, it very much ties the movie into the world so i think that it's going to be easier to introduce her to dune because uh, i do want to get dune to the table with her but i'd like to get her a little more excited about dune first um, yeah. now with two players there is still a dummy player. There's a third player that uses the same AI deck, but uh, the rules are a little bit uh, different with with that. But it's it's technically kind of kind of the same. But uh, I'm I'm curious to see what it's like playing with another human who's actually strategically taking up some of the spots you want instead of accidentally taking up the spots you right, want. Right. Because there were a lot of times I'm like, damn it, that's like three <laughs> rounds in a row I've wanted to go there. <laughs> they keep beating me to it. Um, so, yeah, and they just would just sort of accidentally stumble into, you know, all this spice, and then they turn it in for victory points. You're like, come on, guys. <laughs> But uh but yeah, I, I'm I'm I, I think too, yeah, if if uh if Shelly sees it, uh sees the movie, I think she'll she'll be more more willing, I think, if she likes the movie, more willing to, to give the, the game a go because the theme all of a sudden will make more sense. The world will make more sense. Yeah, and that's the thing, because the Dune world is pretty abstract. <laughs> yeah. Just telling someone about it. So there's these giant worms, and they basically poop sand. <laughs> is that is my impression. And uh, But it's really great. They, they poop the spice, they call it. And, the uh, spice but everyone is wants life. to eat it. They want to eat their poop, because it gives yeah. them powers. <laughs> like, and gross, there's no, co- there's no computers. There's no computers. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. are no computers. Because everyone's <laughs> afraid of AIs. <laughs> but there are things called mentats. They're like crazy guys with computer brains, sort of. But they take drugs to make them like computers, and... <laughs> Their lips are red. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's it's such a crazy universe. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to play. I really cannot wait. I've been watching a bunch of videos uh, about it, and um, like I said before, I've been I've been choosing which 
one because I really liked Arnak and I knew Dune was coming. Uh, or was also out there, I should say. And then, uh, and so I was debating, should I pick up Arnak or should I wait for Dune? And after watching videos, I kind of felt the same way that you sort of referenced. If you had to choose, you'd fall on the Arnak side. I, it is more approachable, and I just think it's a it's a game that I can throw on the table, and I think everyone gets it. You're, you're, it's Indiana Jonesy. You're an adventurer. You're going deep in the jungle. It, you know, that's fun. People get the fun of that. Dune, I'm super excited to play because I know the world and it's getting you know so many good reviews and people seem to really enjoy the structure of the game so i'm excited that a shorter dune game but still very much on point for the theme has come has come out and i hope that it's one that i um can can bring to the table more often if i do end up picking it up I, and i hope i <laughs> i hope it is cuz i really want to like this game <laughs> yeah i i think you you'd really like dune uh but it it does feel even though the mechanisms are the same, it feels dramatically different. Um, yeah. It just, like, like I said, it's it's very, it feels like a true worker placement and deck building experience. Whereas yeah. I don't feel like Arnak feels like that. Yeah. Which is, which is nice. fine, which is good. I, I, I mean, it's, it's. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely blended those things along with other things like uh just resource management and things like that and there is resource management obviously in dune because you know you you collect stuff when you land on the the different spots and stuff but um i think think dune is uh it's less free form yeah and that makes sense because the whole thing of dune in the series is that's just so much like political intrigue and there's like kind of um uh, pressure. There's a sense of pressure, like you know the the Trades family. They're always everyone's trying to murder them <laughs> constantly, right? and because uh, <laughs> they're too good. <laughs> and the universe is like, yeah, no one's that good. All right, you deserve yeah. to die just for how good you guys are, <laughs> right? You're too pure. <laughs> and so they, that's kind of the reason that they just kill them <laughs> or try to kill them is, is sort of that, that they're too pure. But and in the you know the emperor is the puppet master playing everyone against each other to keep them busy fighting them and not overthrowing him and um, it's just that sense of like political intrigue is always a big part of the series and the games before and so it's it's cool to see that but it also I feel like in a lot of um, that also pushes pushes people away because in in like putting that into a game form you have something like um, diplomacy you know and diplomacy is an amazing game structure but it is very much a specific group of people who like that game and can function in it and a lot of people are turned off by that and so i think it's nice to see that they're taking that structure keeping that element into it but it takes a bit of a back seat to um, the gameplay creating that versus you just you know are stabbing each other in the back all the time uh, yeah. because that's what the game says to do. <laughs> and anybody who likes diplomacy just doesn't like other people. No, <laughs> you know, like they're they're fine if just like everyone at the table hates them uh, because right. they probably hate everyone else at the table. That's just that <laughs> that's how diplomacy works. Yeah. The sick joy of <laughs> getting yeah. everyone screwed over, and then they know you did it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exciting. I'm super pumped. I can't wait to play it. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, all right, yeah. Let's see. I uh, I'm sure in the future we'll talk about Endless Winter too, which is a game that I believe is still uh, finalizing its Kickstarter run. They might be late pledging now or something like that, but it's not out to play. I don't believe. Um, 
And so that's another one that kind of falls up. You'll see pop up in the reviews about, hey, this here's the here's the other worker placement deck builder, and that's a very different theme as well. And also interesting does seem to to be that it carves out its own little niche uh, compared to these other two ones that seemingly on paper would be the same game or similar games <laughs> with their mechanisms described. Um, so that'd be cool to get into that one. Yeah, I think a lot of people wonder. Is there room in the collection for Dune and Arnak? Are are you buying the same game? And I, I would say definitively they are two very distinct games. They feel very, very different. And I feel like there is absolutely a place for both. And neither one scratches the same itch as the other. Nice. So Yeah, that's cool. So what have, what have you been playing? Anything well, exciting? Yes, I have been. I, I mentioned a little earlier, I just played a game called Furnace uh, at the uh, last game night. And this is a four-round uh, auction. Main mechanism is auction. Um, and then you are basically – actually, the theme is really great. You are um, kind of like 1800s industrialist. It reminds me of like a game that Brass – uh, started as and then they're like you know what let's just make this a way, way bigger game um but but it's really cool so uh, the game is basically you're an industrialist you start with your own factory and your factory is basically a card uh you randomly draw these cards so everyone starts randomly and then your industrialist has a specific ability in the game and they're all different so it's an asymmetrical setup uh your car your factory your first card uh, does something and it usually gives it's a few bonuses um that it gives you on your turn when you activate it or you run your factory. Uh, but this, the round goes that <clears throat> there's a central tableau of cards, and they vary slightly on player count. And each of those cards has a um, resource or two or maybe something it does on the top of the card. And then on the bottom of the card is what the actual factory representative of the card would do if you took ownership of it. So the bidding uh, goes in order around the table, and everyone has a set of discs numbered four through one. Excuse me. Uh, one player, the player actually had had two, 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 number two discs. So I actually had one more disc. So I always was the last to bid, and I had one more two, uh, value two disc to bid with. Uh, the restrictions on bidding, though, are at the end of the round, the highest number disc on a card takes ownership of that factory. So it goes into your tableau and can be used uh, in any order you want to fire it off uh, at, at the end of the bidding round. Um, and then any number lower than that on the disc gets that number of the resource listed at the top of the card. So let's say I put a four on a factory um, and then at the top of the t- t- card was a coal. Someone else put a three above it and someone else put a one above it. Um, at the end of the round, I would not get any immediate benefit, but I would take ownership of the factory. Everyone else there, though, would get that many coal based on the disc that they had uh, bid on that card. So you always get a payoff, oh, or me. you're getting a lot of payoffs. Yeah, it's a really cool mechanism. You always feel like you're getting something, even if you lost a card that you might want uh, to use later, that you're always getting resources. And the only restrictions are you can't put the same number on a card, and you cannot put two of your own discs on a single card. So you can't bid again on a card that you already bid on. 
So it's a really interesting balance having only four um, little wood, or discs to bid with, or value discs to bid with. You really have to consider: Do I throw my four out early and just claim a card, knowing that I'm gonna, I need, I want this card, I'm gonna get it, or do I wait? Till later, knowing I can always drop this like bomb of a high bid <laughs> disc on a card and and take it out from someone else potentially uh, with a lower number. Um, so is it face up then, bidding or do like reveal? A it's face bid? up. Yeah. So oh, each okay. of your discs are color coordinated to your player, uh, or you choose a di- disc color to your player. So everyone's aware of who's bidding on what, and. Um, yeah, it works really, really well. It's only four rounds, and the first round you're kind of just like, you know, you, you probably have a sense of what you want to do, but um, the cards come out randomly, of course, and so you're not exactly sure what you're going for, and so you're just like, I'm just going to get resources, or I'm gonna. That looks like an interesting power. Um, I'm going to grab that. And so many of the abilities of factories just make more things, or they change one thing to another. So you might take two coal to make a, a brick of iron. Um, or you might take um, a coal and a brick of iron and grab an upgrade token. All of the factories are eight, are two-sided. So when you first buy them, they have one thing they can do typically. Uh, sometimes two, I believe. But uh, typically one. Uh, and then if you upgrade it, though, you flip it over, and it now has two things that it can do. All of the cards that can do things that the factory lists, you can do them in any order to the best of your ability. So um, you can transfer two coal to iron, and then if your next factory down the line takes iron and turns that into victory points, you can sell that right away. Or maybe it takes iron and it turns it into um, uh, coal, or I'm sorry, oil. And oil is a very rare resource, but its score is big. But you also have to make sure you're getting factories that actually make points, which is money. You sell these things for money. So you can get a whole fun game of <laughs> making one good, another good, and getting real amazing payoffs and an engine of creating an amazing pile of goods. But as, if you're not selling them, <laughs> you have no points. And so the other factory oh. you need to do is basically a vending factory. You take these items, process them for sale, and then sell them. So um, And you can sell any of the items, but the harder it is to make or get usually the value is higher for the uh, uh, point cards so oil is one of the resources it's very hard to get but it scores really big if you can get a factory that sells it Um, coal is the cheapest and easiest to get and so you need um, a lot of coal to get a, a lot of points and uh, there's also limits to how many times you can sell in the factories or how many times you can transfer one good to another in a factory because uh, you have to assume it's like taking course over a week or a month or something like that. So it's a lot of just engine building and chaining of things. And um, it, it really surprised me. I, I kind of thought it'd be like, yes, I'm sure it's going to be fun. But I was really impressed with the card design and the uh, ability, the interplay of the ability. They did a really great job with having so many options to integrate into your little factory chain that give you so many directions to go and, and take it off into one way or the other. Um, when I played, I went the route <laughs> a little accidentally, but then I was kind of doubling down on it. I just collected tons and tons of factories. I kept winning auctions um, because I had an extra dice or a, t- a little chit to play. So I typically could get uh, at least two factories almost every round. 
And uh, so I had this massive line production line of factories. And so my problem was just trying to order them correctly to make sure they were firing off in the order I wanted them to. Uh, but other players didn't. Other players had a very tight engine, and they were just focusing on specific things. And they were their factories had nearly not nearly as many factories as I did, but they were able to still um, do really really well because they didn't focus on. Uh, peripheral things that weren't important. You know, I just got had fun making things from one thing to another. <laughs> so why <laughs> so did this you massive have, chain? Why did you have an extra? Was it like a, a like a faction ability or something? Yeah. So each industrialist is got an own their one ability, and so my ability oh, okay. is that I had an extra bidding chit, and uh, it was a value two. So right in the middle, it wouldn't necessarily easily win me um, some, but I would get bonus resources at least uh, yeah. for that every round. Um, and, and so I, and I came in second, which is, I was pretty happy with, and, uh, it was, uh, really good. Uh, Yeah. Furnace. I can't recommend Furnace enough. It's a surprisingly good game. It looks, it looks kind of dry in its presentation, but it's really engaging. There's a lot of options. It definitely feels like you're not punished for decisions, but you also have to consider the, um, auctioning element and make sure that you are, uh, you know, trying to forge your own path towards victory while still getting a lot of uh, resources. And um, inadvertently, sometimes you'll get a factory and you're like, well, I didn't exactly want that power. But all right, how can I make it work within my structure? And almost always there's a place to fit it in. Huh. Yeah, I'd seen it. I'd seen mention of it like on, you know, Twitter and Instagram and stuff. But like it sounds so dry and boring. I <laughs> never does. even yeah. actually really looked at it. So that's that's awesome. I have to check that out. Yeah, I think you'd really like it. It's it's a it's a cool um, take on bidding uh, or on an auction mechanism. It, it does a really good job of it. Cool. And uh, um, yeah, so I'm trying to remember Hobby World. <laughs> Hobby World publishes and uh, Arcane Wonders. That's the other one. Yeah, they and Arcane Wonders co-published it. Arcane Wonders puts out some pretty good stuff. They do. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I I also played. I got into Marvel United X-Men with Kirsten. Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, I I really like Marvel United, the, the original. Um, the X-Men version is way harder. Uh, <laughs> it's... It kind of plays... It, it plays a little differently. Um, the, the villains are a lot more... Um, a lot more inventive... Uh, in the way that they they work and they really make uh, the different villains in the United uh, Universe make uh, make the game. Uh, you're gonna mm-hmm. have the game play experience of whatever villain you're going up against. And um, what uh, X Men United actually did, um, and, and this not just with the base set, but with all the expansions and the Kickstarter stuff that's coming, uh, they have. Uh, the villains, the heroes, and they also have these uh, these purple ones that are uh, miniatures that are anti-heroes. And mm. the anti-heroes have two sets of cards. They have player cards and they have villain cards. So uh, all of the anti-heroes, like, for example, Magneto, he, he's a, been a good guy in the comic books and he's been a bad guy. Um, you can play him as a hero or you can play him as a villain. Uh, same with like Mystique, she's been both. So uh, it's it's really neat to see uh, to see that how they they kind of brought that out and that you can have two really different experiences with uh, with the same models. But it also gives, for example, like in 
just the the basic box you now have four different villains instead of three from the uh the original box and now you have all these extra heroes too so just by doing that they've they've really expanded they've basically added two more heroes and two more villains uh versus Mm, what the the basic set of marvel united had um we had did not mix in any regular marvel united characters um but the the card setups um and the the special powers and stuff that the heroes and X-Men had uh were definitely seemed more advanced uh and they they played very differently so mm-hmm. if you if you thought Marvel United was like a 7 um then X-Men is probably an 8 or a 9 um if you thought Marvel United was a 5 X-Men's still probably a 5 uh, if you didn't if you didn't like Marvel United, you're not gonna like Marvel United X Men. But um, it was definitely more challenging, uh, way more challenging. The we played the Juggernaut, and he was brutal, just brutal. <laughs> um, we beat the shit out of the Red Skull like easy when we played him in regular Marvel United. But uh, but yeah, this is definitely more of a challenge, um, and it, it does add some some different uh, mechanisms. Uh, it also introduces what they call supervillain mode, so you can actually now play it competitively, which you can't, you couldn't do with the um, with regular Marvel United. But you can actually have a player play as the villain, and then an, and then other players so like a one versus all kind of thing. So you can actually make it competitive instead of purely co-op, and uh, and there's a whole different set of cards and a whole different way to play and everything, and uh, for supervillain mode. And hmm. so I've not had a chance to check that out, but um, they just put a lot more into uh, Marvel United X Men. So if uh, if you thought if you thought that Marvel United was just a little too basic, a little too easy, a little too vanilla, um, this is a step up. It's not a huge step up. Uh, like I said, if you didn't like one, you're not going to like the other. But if if you were on the fence and you're like, this is pretty good, I wish it was a little meatier, um, X-Men is a little meatier. Yeah. So it's still not a meaty game. It's it's a family weight game. Um, it's uh, And it's co-op. It kind of feels like Marvel Pandemic, sort of. Um, but it's... Uh, and, and, and it is fairly basic. Um, hardcore gamer guys not gonna step away from you know twilight struggle for this but uh (laughs) but but it is it is a fun game and it's it's very thematic and it feels like you're playing i'm a huge comic book nerd and it just feels it it takes the the marvel universe and just really brings it to life and it's just fun big thumbs up big thumbs up for me yeah, I, this is one I definitely still want to check out. I haven't had a chance to check it out before, but yeah, it's very well regarded. People really like this game, and uh, yeah, I like the, I like, I love the minis. <laughs> of course, it's it's funny with this one too because they have so many minis and like they're that big head style mini. So it's funny yeah, to see aggressive Jeebies. characters with giant heads. <laughs> but um, it works but, yeah, for the I've, game I've though. It really things. works for it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because if it was more serious and more like like actual like to scale and and everything and the the game doesn't match that. Yeah, uh, it's it's not that kind of like hardcore real 
realistic rulesy kind of game it is it feels more comic booky uh more more like like chibis it just feels it it genuinely it was a it was a bold move to go that way uh yeah i'm kind of surprised they did but i i think it was uh it was a it was a very good move yeah yeah i like it it's different it definitely stands out because there's a there's several marvel games that came out um right around this time uh or like last year there was uh what's the other one a few of the card building game or deck building games and it was crisis protocol or yeah yeah and uh that was one of them and then another one i can't remember but they had similar like you know champions champions that's what i'm thinking of um and so like they're all very they're the artists from the comic books but it's still very like serious and so it's it it is a great move to like have this stand apart in its art style it really is obviously a distinct thing and uh yeah i I wonder if it's actually due to a lot of its success i do i do love it though like it's just like magneto's like mini is like just bolts nuts and bolts like stuck to his cake right (laughs) he's charging up so i think it's so funny (laughs) and they did such a good job with the minis too with the incorporating the bases um like the terrain and stuff and the bases Mm -hmm. like they uh it's not just like guys standing on the ground like there's always something fun that they're you know standing on or climbing up or you know it's it's just it's neat how they they really incorporated the terrain the the base terrain with the with the minis yeah well, and like if the other cool thing about this, if you are someone who is uh, paints minis or has always wanted to try painting minis, these are a great size for this. They are a oh, larger fact. scale, and so you would have it's an easier to approach mini. And the design, yeah, the actual quality of the mini design is stellar. Like yeah. looking at some of them uh, that people have painted, it's just it's really cool. And then. Um, the obviously unpainted the detail work in these have or the detail molds in these are really well done so they're just begging to be painted yes i have painted a few from the original set and uh they're not like anything you've seen online they're not fantastic but uh but i'm yeah. i'm getting there i'm getting there it's been a while yeah. since i've had to sit down and paint an entire like warhammer army in one night or anything but <laughs> which i've done on more than one occasion but yeah, you have to oh. change your glasses prescription afterwards. Yeah. I can't see straight anymore. <laughs> fact, fact. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's effectively, I think, everything that I've played. Did you play anything else? Uh, I played one. I'll mention real quick that I thought was a very cool, unique game uh, called Gravity Well. Um, Gravity Well is. I'm going to look it up real quick to get my facts straight here. Is that um, a real time game? No, it's um maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, hmm. oh Gra- Gravwell, sorry. I'm uh, it's it's Grav- based on Gravity Well, but Gravwell um and oh wow, it came out in longer much longer than I thought. Uh it came out in 2013 originally, it looks like. It, I wow. did not realize, but they came up with a reprint of the game with some augmented abilities uh which we haven't played, but uh Aaron actually picked it up. And uh, the new one uh, at this place we've been experimenting with game game night. They also, they sell some games, and they had Gravwell in their library, and they sold the new version of Gravwell. Uh, but it, basically, the premise of the game is that you are you each grab a spaceship of a certain color, and that's your player color. 
and they're actually they're they're not they're pretty well done for a little basic game. They're on little standees. You could paint them if you want to. Everyone's ship is the same. They just have a different color. Uh, and you start. It's a, a concentric circle board. So you're kind of like slowly working your way in or out. I'm sorry, out. You start at the center, out towards this uh, portal. I think it's a rift or a portal or something that you're trying to do to get out of this area. Um, uh, and you're it's a race. You're trying to whoever that gets there first is the winner. Um, but the game is tied to, to the idea of gravity, obviously. It's called Gravwell. So when you play a card, you play a card and it tells you what it's going to do. It's either going to go um, uh, towards something. It's going to be a positive card, which is a green card. Uh, so you're going to go towards the area with the most gravity. Or you're going to go away from it. Or you're going to pull things towards you. Uh, and there's another one card I can't remember. But anyway, and how you determine who where the gravity is, is it's based on um, which ships are closest to you or if there's a tie, how many ships are in front of you or behind you. So, for instance, let's say I play a two green card um, and there's a ship right next to me in front of me on the board. Okay, so that pulls me in a positive direction towards the nearest gravity source, which would be the ship that's closest to me. So that ship would basically um, ro- or rubber band me past it two spaces. But let's say that ship was behind me. Well, the same thing would happen because the ship is the closest gravity is now behind me. So I would get rubber banded backwards instead of forwards. So maybe I don't want to play that too. Um, so I could play a, uh, uh, re- re- a pushback or push away from the closest gravity card. Okay, so now let's think of it this way. So let's say I'm in one space. One, two spaces away is a ship. Another two spaces away is another ship. Okay, so now I'm tied for the closest gravity. So now I have to expand and think what other gravitational forces are there. So now I look down the board. If there are more ships in front of me than there are behind me, I go that direction. But if there are more ships behind me, Ah. I get pulled backwards. So there's two wrenches in the works of this. Uh, One is that there are two derelict ships on the board and these are going to be affected by cards that pull things closer or um, push them away and they're going to be have an effect on where the gra- the, ma- the larger gravity is and second all the cards are um, uh, elemental uh, are elements from the periodic table and we play them in they fire off in order of the alphabet and so it's really interesting where um, let's say I played uh, a two positive card and I went forward two spaces, but I jumped someone else or I moved away from someone else who was hoping I would stay there because then I would be the closest gravity. So then when they play their card, they accidentally backtrack. So there's a bit of a galaxy trucker to this too, where you huh. are guessing what other players are going to do to move their own ships and hoping that. When you play your card, the conditions are right for you to go in a positive direction. So um, it's really interesting. There's a lot of jockeying for position. There's a lot of unexpected moves. But you never feel helpless. You always feel like you are able to do something through the course of your turn that is going to positively progress. And the catch-up mechanism here is pretty big. Um, uh, Oh, the one thing I didn't mention is, too, you draft for hands of cards. You're drafting for a set of cards. Uh, until everyone has all of their cards in hand. So when you draft, there's a face-up card and a face-down card. So you can kind of set your strategy based on what you see face-up, 
and then you have a secondary strategy pop up based on the hidden card that you've drafted as well. So everyone knows half of their hand as they draft for it, and the other half is exposed once they turn it over. So it's a really interesting combination of mechanics, and I hope I'm explaining it well. I know there's a lot of like yeah. weird stuff in this game. But I definitely recommend checking it out. Gravwell is a huge surprise and a really, really cool game. Huh. That 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 sounds neat. That sounds sounds fun. It kinda looks like um like space sorry. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> really does. Like it really track. looks boring. <laughs> yeah, it looks so boring. It looks like there's oh. nothing to it. But it 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 uh it's one of those ones that uh um the the devil is in the details and the details of this game are really cool the way they play off of each other um and yeah they just the re second edition just came out this year so you i would definitely either game is great but what they add in the second edition are some specific powers and abilities which is kind of cool to have and um i think they changed like the look of the ships too so they're distinct uh there's i think yeah there's some weird things that go on so uh, that would be a welcome welcome change uh, or a welcome addition, I should say. Uh, the base game played great. We had a lot of fun with it, but I'm really excited to try uh, what they added to this game. Cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. There you go. All right. All right, everybody. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> we we did are it. here at the end of the episode yes. uh, with more to talk about, but it'll have to wait until the next time we uh, pop on your podcast app. So until then, let's see how can they get a hold of us a couple different ways. You guys can, of course, reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Roasted Games One. You can also go to uh, our uh, Facebook page, Roasted Games, or our podcast hosting page, eavesdrop.com, and scroll down to the Roasted Games page there. Fill out our comment form. We'd love to hear from you in any of those different ways. And, uh, yeah, until next time, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.